Good evening. Today is Monday, December 27th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is There is a Solution, and our speaker tonight is Christina S. Christina, thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina. I'm a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. Um, just to kind of qualify a little bit, I came into the rooms in March. Um, I got abstinent pretty quickly and started working the steps and jumped in full force because I was ready to go. I was at a point where I had gone through enough to know that this disease was going to kill me and I was not willing to let it keep killing me. Um, and I'm extremely grateful that I got there at 23 years old and found the solution when I did. Um, I was in a place where I didn't even want to live life anymore. Um, and I'm not going to spend too much time sitting here talking about, you know, how dark things were when I was deep in the disease and, um, you know, I could tell binge stories all day long, but I'm here to talk about the solution. So I'm really grateful to be here and really grateful to have found this solution at 23 years old. So with that, I'm going to jump into today's chapter, which is chapter two, there is a solution. Um, and this is actually my favorite chapter in the big book. Um, so in the doctor's opinion and in Bill's story, we learn that we're hopeless. Um, but chapter two, there is a solution. We're given hope. So we, you know, are recovering from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Um, and in all of that despair is where we find the willingness to commit to this program. Um, and um, chapter two just brings me so much joy and so much hope because we don't need to keep living like that. Um, so on page 17, it says, we of Alcoholics Anonymous know thousands of men and women who were once just as hopeless as Bill. Nearly all have recovered. They have solved the drink problem. So it's just absolutely astonishing and amazing the solution that we have and the fact that it really does work. Um, and I love this page so much, page 17. It talks about the fellowship in such an incredible and beautiful way. Um, it says, we are people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, and an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. And the fellowship of this program is truly one of the biggest gifts that I've received in my life. Um, I like this next part down here as well. It says, unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy and escape from disaster does not, does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us. So, you know, sitting around sharing binging stories and um, relating about how sick and twisted we were in our disease is one element that binds us, but it's not what brings us together and keeps us together. Um, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out 
which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. So the real gift of this fellowship is being able to share in the solution. It's being able to do service um, and help others and um, see the, all of the people's lives that we, can, that we can reach just by being here, just by being here on this meeting. There's a newcomer in the room who, like, whose life could change forever. Um, and that is what keeps us together. And what, um, ha like, that's where the miracles in this program come from, is by um, all of us being here together and doing service together. Um, yeah. Another thing I really love about this chapter is it kind of gives a little bit of a warning. Um, on page 18, it says, um, he is a man with a real answer that he has no added, that he has no attitude of holier than thou, nothing whatever except a sincere desire to be helpful. This is a reminder that I give myself all the time. Being 24 years old, living in recovery, it's very easy to kind of adopt this holier than thou attitude. Um, being around other people my age, you know, not many people live their life this way on a spiritual basis, living to do service, um, eating really healthy. I don't, I don't drink, you know, it's, I pride myself in the way that I live my life, but I do it to serve others, not to think that I'm better than anyone else or yeah, just get this attitude of like having this really big head and looking down on other people. That is where my disease comes in. When I have that kind of attitude, that's when I get knocked right, right down. Um, so really part of the solution, like the real, you know, driving force behind the solution is having a higher power and having the sincere desire to be helpful. The only way that we stay recovered is by giving it away and by being helpful to others, um, doing it for any like selfish or vain reasons is not going to that's not where you find the solution. That's not where you keep the solution. Um, sorry, I'm just looking at my little notes over here. Um, I really love this part on the top of page 20. It says our very lives of ex problem drinkers depend on upon our constant thought of others and how we may meet their needs. So it says it right here in black and white. And it says it in probably every single chapter in a million different ways that our own recovery depends upon our willingness to be helpful to others. So we only get recovery to be useful to others, to be of service. Um, and that's honestly like the biggest miracle and blessing of this program is that I enjoy being of service now. I enjoy helping others. I don't have to live my life to always meet my own selfish needs. Um, yeah. And, you know, we just came off of a big holiday weekend. And this was my first holiday season in recovery, being abstinent. 
And it was so easy. I mean, I'm not going to say it was like the easiest thing ever, you know, being around family all the time for that long definitely has its challenges, but it was easy in the sense that the food didn't call to me at all. Being around it was easy. It was not a struggle in any way. I was not staring at it or wanting it or wishing I could have it. It just wasn't a part of my weekend at all. Um, and what my weekend was, was being around family and being helpful, being of service and sharing in like love and happiness and memories with the people in my life that are important to me. Um, this entire weekend, we had people over, we were hosting, like things were crazy. And me before recovery would be like, this is so unfair. I don't want to do all of this. I don't want to clean. I don't, I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to help around the house. And me in recovery just does it because I want to, because it feels good to do it. You know, it feels good to have my mom get up and say, oh my gosh, wow, you got up early and cleaned the whole kitchen. Thank you so much. You know, and it's those kinds of things now that bring me joy and bring me happiness rather than people doing things for me or getting my way or getting what I want. And the reason that I'm able to do that is because I'm using the solution because I'm maintaining that spiritual condition every day. Um, and we have to do it no matter what. Um, I set my alarms this, like this whole weekend early in the morning, making sure that I would be up with plenty of time to do my regular prayer and meditation routines before everyone would be awake and, you know, things would get crazy and it would get, I'd get sidetracked and say, oh, it's fine. I don't need to do that. No, I need to do that. So even when it's a holiday and there's so many things going on, that's my top priority. I make sure to make time for that. Sorry, my phone is ringing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, I always make time for that no matter what, because that's the solution. And if I don't make time for that and maintain my spiritual condition, then I'm not living in the solution and I'm not going to stay abstinent. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about um, this part here. It says on page 22, once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the body and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. We are completely powerless over our alcoholic foods. Like, I am completely powerless over it. Once I start, I can't stop. And the solution is entire abstinence. That is the only way that we get relief from this. And the only way we can maintain that is through a spiritual solution because nobody in the world has enough willpower to do that. So we need to always rely on a power greater than ourselves to be able to maintain entire abstinence. Um, on page 23, this is one of my favorite metaphors in the big book. It says, um, 
It's talking about excuses that people make for taking the first drink. And it says, sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of a man who having a headache beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. And this is something I will say to myself all the time. You know, if I'm going through something and it doesn't happen very often anymore, but sometimes there's a lot going on and I get emotional and that's when I'm more, you know, kind of vulnerable to the food. And sometimes I'll think about it. I'll think about picking up sometimes. And I'll ask myself, is that really going to help, Christina? Is eating that really going to solve your problems? Or are you just hitting yourself on the head with a hammer because you have a headache? You know, like the truth is, is that the food is our problem, not our solution. It never has been our solution. I thought it was. I thought it helped. Back when I was binging, it helped for like a minute. It made me feel a little bit better for a few minutes. And then I just always felt worse. So I try to remind myself of that when I get in a situation where I'm feeling vulnerable or thinking about food or wanting to pick up. I try to remind myself of that. And then I immediately run to higher power in any way that that makes sense for me. Um, for me, it's usually two-way prayer meditation. Um, a lot of people enjoy journaling. I don't enjoy journaling too much. <laughs> um, but another thing that really works for me is listening to like spiritual music. I have a playlist on my phone that I listen to every single morning. Um, I get out of bed. It's like, it's like brushing my teeth in the morning. Like I just put on that playlist and it's kind of ridiculous and silly, but really awesome. And I dance around my bedroom and sing to myself. And it just fills me with so much joy to be singing about God and being grateful for God. And it, it just totally like puts me in the right kind of mindset. And it fills me enough. It fills me up with like the joy and happiness and love that I, that I need to get through my day. Um, and it's always there for me. Like it's always there. If I'm having a tough moment, I can just put on that playlist and instantly I feel better. Instantly I'm smiling and, you know, just feeling more like upbeat and positive. Um, yeah. So trying to think, um, so like I've learned through my, you know, nine months that I've been abstinent that no excuse is ever a good enough excuse um, for me to binge, for me to pick up the food. I've gone through a lot in, in these nine months, more than I ever imagined I would have. I've been through a breakup of a five-year relationship. I've been through heartbreak times two. Um, that's five I, minutes, Christina. Um, I have been through my sister getting diagnosed with cancer and going through all of her treatment. Um, and that's a lot of stuff to deal with in your first year of recovery. It's a lot of stuff to deal with in life in general. And I did it without my go-to coping mechanism. I did it without abusing food. I did it without breaking my abstinence because no excuse is ever going to be good enough. 
for me to go back to the food because it never helped. So having a problem doesn't mean that I go back to the solution that failed me. It means that I turn to the solution that saves me every day. Um, and it's not always easy, but it's a choice. It's a choice that I make every day. And sometimes I really don't want to make that choice, but I do because, well, I'll read the next page and then I'll talk about it. Um, so page 25, this is my favorite part in the entire big book. It says, there is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When therefore we were approached by those with whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to do but pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, which, uh, of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life toward our fellows and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could not do by ourselves. If you are a seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if I had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situa situation as best we could. The other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. So that's my choice in those situations. When the person that I love tells me they don't wanna be with me, when my sister gets told that she has cancer at 26 years old, those are my two choices. I can go blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation, or I can accept spiritual help. Seems like an easy choice, right? Suffering in this disease, abusing food, destroying my body, or accept spiritual help. And I don't know why it's so hard to make that choice, because it should be so easy. But I totally understand it, that in those moments, it's really hard. A few weeks ago, I was having a day. I skipped my prayer and meditation that day. And I was just in a nasty mood. I was so angry at everyone and everything for no reason. And I didn't want to accept any kind of solution. I was One stressed minute. out. Thank you. I was stressed out because I wasn't going to make it home for lunch in time. and didn't have a way to heat up my lunch. And there was plenty of solutions. We could stop and heat it up somewhere. We could stop and go to a restaurant where I could find something, plenty of solutions. But I didn't wanna choose a solution. I wanted to sit there and pout and be angry about it until I called a fellow and she said, you're being angry and resentful for no reason. Cut it out, do a 10 step and accept spiritual help. 
and make a different choice. Choose to accept the spiritual help because that's the solution. And it's the only solution that we have because we're hopeless. And there is no solution besides this one. So the two choices are there and it should be an easy one to make because this works. If you make the hard choice and accept spiritual help, this program can work. So with that, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. Oh my goodness, Christina S. Thank you so much for your service tonight. We will now open the meeting for questions for Christina or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate to the chapter being studied this week, which is there's a solution. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the wonderful Zoom host, Erin, thank you so much for your service. We'll call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would Nancy Z, our timekeeper, thank you so much for your service. Please set a timer for three minutes for each share or um, answer and announce when the time is up. Thank you. First up, we have Lita. Hi there, thank you so much. Thank you for an amazing, amazing share, Christina. I'm Lita, I'm a compulsive overeater, and it took me a major portion of my life to even find out about the existence of this program and that um, compulsive overeating was a thing. You have so much knowledge, so much wisdom and everything. How is it that you learned about the existence of OA, the solution, and put all these pieces together? What was it? How did you know about it? How did you find out about it? Um, thank you for your question, Lita. Um, it was actually totally weird and totally just by higher power that I stumbled into the rooms of OA. I was sitting on my couch binge watching a TV show and binge eating and um, I was watching the show on Netflix and there's a young girl in the show who ends up going to OA and like the show is kind of crazy and ridiculous and not very good, but the message was there and it got through to me enough that, hey, this thing exists. And I looked it up, went on the website, took the little like 15 question quiz. And I was like, yep, yep. I think I might have a problem with food <laughs> and um, stumbled into the rooms after that. Um, so yeah, that's how I found OA. That's amazing. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Thanks, Lita and Christina. Next up is uh, um, Alexis. Hi, I'm Alexis, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Christina, thank you so much for your share. It was really amazing. And um, yeah, I just, I wrote some notes um, about, you know, how you said, like when we have a problem, like now we have a choice, you know, whether we abuse the food or, you know, ask for spiritual help and slow down and do a 10. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate you also talking just about like circumstances, like we're always going to have an excuse to go to food. Um, and yeah, like you, I've gone through a lot with my, like in my first year of recovery, like 
I've moved a few times. I'm in this kind of new relationship and that's tough, but like, it is so, so cool to just bring all this stuff to this fellowship and like work on it and like be pointed towards God through all like my sisters and brothers of this program. And, um, I just want to express my gratitude and yeah, just share that, um, you know, when I'm honest and I just get honest about where I'm at today, like where my feet are today, where, what I'm feeling today with people, like it's so, it's so easy, you know, it's just about cracking that little door open, having a God squad. Um, and yeah, I appreciate what you said too, about just like service. Like I, I make these choices that I make today, not because of this, like self-righteousness, like, because that will put me back in the food, you know, like, oh, I'm not eating, eating sugar. And I'll convince myself like, because I'm, I'm better than you, you know, or like, I'm not like, it's, it's so right there. It's right there. Um, but no, I have an issue, you know, and I have to, I have to sit myself down and, you know, remind myself that I'm shoulder to shoulder with everyone on this earth, you know, like we are all just children of our creator, whatever you choose to call God. Um, and yeah, I just appreciate another young person sharing. And um, yeah, it was also awesome to meet you at the retreat, you know, a few months back. Um, and with that, I will pass. Thank you, Alexis. Next up is Rich. Hi, everyone. My name is Rich. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, thank you so much for sharing, Christina. I really appreciate it. And of course, the you know, the last part about blotting out the consciousness of my disease, going to the bitter end or ask for spiritual help. Um, I, I, I feel like I, I felt like I've been doing really good in my recovery and, and with my food. And then and then today I lied to my mother-in-law and it got back to my wife who then approached me and uh, about it. Uh, I, uh, I lied thinking that I was protecting something of mine. Uh, and 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 there's there's no room for lying for me in my program. And because my disease will feed on that. And regard, you know, there's no, for me, there's no such thing as a white lie. But, and so now it's bringing up all this emotion. And as I'm sitting here, because it just had, the conversation just happened before the meeting. And so as I'm sitting here in the meeting, I'm, I'm thinking of ways of how I can stuff those emotions down because it's bringing up shame, it's bringing up fear. And, and, you know, and I'm like, okay, after I get off the meeting, I'm going to, I'm going to, go to the food and um so i'm just saying this out loud because this is this is real time processing for me and uh, and um I, I don't know what that means to ask for spiritual help in the sense of asking god in this very moment at this very time um, i'm asking for spiritual help with this and um thank you thank you for allowing me to share that Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Rich. Next up is Nancy P. Hi, um, everybody. Um, thank you for letting me share. Christina, it was excellent to hear you. And I especially liked when you talked about um, the alternatives. One was to go on to the Britter end, blotting out our consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. And the other was to accept spiritual help. So 
I was told by my sponsor that um, alternatives are not choices. Choices means you get to opt out, you know, one, A, B, or neither. And um, here, it, I think they use the word deliberately, like you are going to go on to the bitter end or you're going to accept spiritual help. And it reminds me of when I had my first baby, they said it was a boy. And I was like, he's healthy, but I kind of wanted to choose myself. And I wanted more than two choices. That's kind of what I felt like. You know, I was happy with my healthy baby, very happy, but I wanted more than two choices. And I kind of wanted more, cho- more than two choices here because going on to the bitter end has all these awful side rivers of awfulness. And, um, and the other was this awful thing like accepting spiritual help. I'm so agnostic that I was like, oh my God, that means I'm going to be boring. It means I'm going to be, have to be, you know, like religious and I'm going to have to talk about religious things and be like totally religious. And that was awful. But really when, you know, when I had had enough pain and fear and rage and I was ready to accept spiritual help, I found that it was not that at all. Um, you know, the spiritual help that I accepted or that I that I sought out, that I chased after, in fact, ended up chasing after, was um, allowed me to continue with my agnosticism and still get recovered and still be, you know, happy, joyous, and free. And, um, you know, you didn't get to the very, very end of the the chapter, but um, I'll take a chance and just say that, you know, for me, that laid the groundwork, that those two alternatives for me laid the groundwork for my entire, what my entire, the bedrock that my entire recovery is built on, because it says here, um, you know, those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There's no friction among us. And, you know, I'm a living example of the fact that and those with no religious beliefs or ceremonies will also find here nothing um, in conflict with my disbelief or non-ceremonies or anything like that. Like this says to me, those, that, those two alternatives say to me that I, I am, enjoy full status and privileges of everything that everybody else does in this program, no matter what I believe, no matter how, as long as I get there, here are the benchmarks. And um, so I'm just so grateful and thank you for your share. We, I will now ask the Zoom host to stop the recording.